Good morning. I'm Emily Reese, and I'm speaking today with sommelier Jill Mott. She is from Henry and Son and joins us every other week to talk about beers, wines, and spirits, and lately pairings with jazz musicians. Good morning, Jill. Good morning, Emily. So what do we got on the uh, on the schedule to talk about today? Well, I love Dave Brubeck. I love Dave Brubeck. I've <laughs> loved doesn't? him. Yeah, I've loved him uh, ever since I was really, he was I would say one of the first jazz musicians that I listened to growing up. Like I knew his name before I knew Miles Davis's name, which is oh, kind of strange. Yeah. And I, you know, I think when I, when I listen to Dave Brubeck, what I like about him is he is for all times, right? Like sometimes at six in the morning or at when I'm going to bed or when I'm cooking, if I listen to Miles Davis, I'm going to dump too much salt into my food or something like, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of crazy. Whereas Dave Brubeck is usually in his, and his um, quintet, or excuse me, his quartet, they're just they're just good, chill, great piano slash accompaniments, right? And yeah. so, um, when but when I listen to albums like Reunion, Love Songs, love those. Yeah. But I wanted to focus on something a little bit wilder, <laughs> and also some wines that are classic. Yeah. Everyone's heard of, but I never talk about. <laughs> and they are, but they're going to be quirkier sides of classics. So I, I want to compare the album Time Further Out, which oh. I think was done in like 61, I think, or 62. 61. And, okay. And a, um, and, you know, there's a lot of weird time, like meter in that, um, in, on that album. And yeah. specifically track number seven called Unsquare Dance. I think it was like one of the first jazz songs that was done like seven, four or something like that. It's just really quirky and it's great. And so I never talk about Chardonnay on this program, <laughs> nor do I talk uh -huh. about Cabernet because they're just like, you know, they're weeds. They grow everywhere. I mean, yeah. Idaho grows Chardonnay, <laughs> China grows Chardonnay. Who needs more Chardonnay? But that said, <laughs> we have the 1980s to thank for like the demise of actually good Chardonnay because it all oh. became over oaked and you know, we have the early 2000s and late 1990s to thank for just killing Cabernet and make, putting colorants in it to make it darker because Cabernet has a lot of pigment, but it's not necessarily black. Um, and so I just wanted to talk about a few producers today uh, that I love their Chardonnay and Cabernet. So I'll start with a Chardonnay, a white wine from Burgundy. Burgundy, so we're in eastern, central, slightly southern France. Okay. And... There's a producer called Celine and Laurence Tripos, and they make wines that are incredibly vivid wines from Pinot Noir, Gamay, and Chardonnay. Their Chardonnay is absolutely gorgeous. Um, they specifically have a wine that's called Macon, which is the region, and then a little subregion called Locher. And there are literally less than 25 hectares under vine anyway, let alone the, you know, the few that they have. So it's a really low production white wine that is, if you are a Pinot Grigio drinker and you just want something different, if you're a Chardonnay drinker, but you're sick of all that oak, um, it's a perfect wine for you. It's a bottle full of minerals. It's dry. It's delicious, delicious stuff. Um, and they're completely farming biodynamically, which is great. So it's like yeah. a Dave Brubeck, but then it's like in seven, four time. Cause you're not expecting it. Cause it's like, woo. I don't know. But, uh, so I love that. Do I have time for a couple more? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So the, the last two wines I'm going to talk about 
both of them are Cabernet Sauvignon. And I don't drink a lot of Cabernet Sauvignon anymore because I, you know, you sort of, it's, it's sort of like, I don't want to say elevator jazz because sometimes I love me some <laughs> elevator jazz, but it's sort of like, um, it's sort of like a, a dime a dozen. It, everyone makes them the same homogenized way in order to sell them. And so when you find very vivid, very unique, distinct um, wines that are like emphatic of where the depictions of where they're from, yeah, you really just get, you can't believe that, sh- that Cabernet Sauvignon can actually be like this. So one uh, that I wanted to mention is from a place that you don't find a lot of Cabernet. Um, it was planted during the height of Cabernet, everybody flipping out and planting Cabernet all over the world. Uh, it's, in, it's in Tuscany. Um, oh. And this, yeah, I know this guy, uh, Silvio Messana, he uh, was, is an Italian who's working in the States and he ended up moving back to take over the family domain and the family, you know, farmhouse sure. and very quickly realized that he wanted to be organic in his farming. And that wasn't good enough. Then he decided to go even further and be a bi- biodynamic farmer. And if he purchased fruit to purchase it from people that were growing grapes biodynamically because they had more flavor, because they were healthier. Mm. And so he's doing a Cabernet that is grown in Tuscany, so north kind of western Italy, all done in concrete. So now oh. when you when you pour it, it it pours like you can see through it. It's dark, but you can see through it. And it's just a a fantastic depiction. Medium bodied, so not heavy, not tiresome, quite it's got some nice, like boisterous tannin, which is really fun. Um, but that concrete adds this element of freshness. So when you're drinking it, you know you can easily have a couple glasses, and you're not you don't have stained teeth from the mega purple that they put in there. Um, and I don't know, I, I just love it. It's called Il Rospo, and of course we'll get these up online too. Yeah. Um, well, I'll say you'll get them up online because I'm not. <laughs> I'm just sending you stuff. Um, and then. Lastly is a producer, a friend of mine, actually, his name is Carles, and he's making wine up in northeastern Spain. I've talked about, I think, his sparkling wine once on Jazz 88 before. Okay. But Carles makes, like, this whole album, crush yeah. it into one song. Like, <laughs> it'd be like, what the heck is this? Carles makes a Cabernet up in northeastern Spain, a, a stone's throw away from Barcelona. And this is Cava country, so there are a lot of white grapes a lot of white grapes that are destined for sparkling wine. And Carles does make, he does grow white grapes and he does make a couple lightly sparkling wines. But this Cabernet is extremely unexpected. It's for people that love kombucha out there. Mm. People that like, you know, if they want to have a non-alcoholic something rather than they have shrubs with soda water, like a little bit of like that. I don't want to say vinegary because it makes it sound like the wine is going to be, but people that like yeah. that bit of sour and funky ester. Sure. And so he's, he only made, I want to say two or three amphora. So clay pots. Yeah. He put the Cabernet into the clay pots to ferment and age. And they are extremely wild. They're huh. really fun. They're crazy mixed meter jazz in a bottle. And if you if you want thick Cabernet, but you want to go out of your comfort zone, this is thick, full-bodied cab, dark, but with uh, a wild, quirky side that I love to find and encounter in both my jazz and my wine. So a couple recommendations for uh, the beginning of February. 
Well, it might be too early for some of your recommendations, but not for a little unsquared answer from Dave Brubeck, so we'll hear from him next. Jill Mott, sommelier from Henry & Son, as always, thanks so much, and we'll uh, have you back in two weeks. Sounds great, Emily. Have a great day.